It is the holiday of the leaf blowers. Isn't that a lovely sound? And you hear it all day long because, of course, um, it's fall and there are a lot of leaves here because I live in a neighborhood with um, lots of trees and woods in the neighborhood. And so, obviously, all those leaves need to be uh, regularly removed, especially here on the biking lane where I'm walking, because they tend to get very slippery, especially if it's raining like it is now. It turns into mud and the biking track actually comes downhill, so people are usually um, going very fast. And so if you have to turn, you can actually slip if you're not careful. This is not a leaf blower. This guy is mowing the grass, probably one of the last times that that is necessary because the grass won't grow as fast when the temperature drops. But this is the season. I love the fall season. And today, during this walk, I would like to continue last week's discussion where I shared with you my suspicion that I have been struggling for probably most of my life with, let me, let me say it carefully, with ADHD-like symptoms. Of course, um, I haven't been diagnosed officially, but there are a lot of indications that I have at least very strong um, ADHD tendencies, even though I might not fit the classic types. But that doesn't matter that much, uh, because what I would like to share with you is how this past week so much came together. And um, now that I have this clue that a lot of the things that I've struggled with for, for years, and not just me, but also the people around me, due to my behavior, that these various aspects of my behavior might be interlinked and might be all uh, part of the same ADHD type of affliction. A lot of noise here with all these cars speeding by on a wet road, but we're, we're soon going to enter the woods where it will be a lot calmer. But now that I um, have found this, this um, un unifying uh, cause, at least potentially, again, I'm, it's like all, with all the caveats, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I, um, I've only read a couple of books, um, and so this is all kind of self-diagnosis. But uh, I feel like so much has become clear this past week that I'm very excited with at least knowing and, and recognizing where some of that behavior comes from. I, I've been um, doing due, kind of due diligence, is that how you say it? So since this is all very new, and again, as I said, I'm not a psychologist, and we had some rudimentary, rudimentary um, psychology uh, during my theology studies, especially in the later years, um, the pastoral part of it. But none of that was, of course, uh, on the level of 
of, of knowing all the ins and outs of very specialized uh, areas in psychology. It was just a kind of a broad overview. Um, I did read a number of books this past week just to catch up a little bit on the latest research. And uh, notably two books have, have been a tremendous help um, because they brought a lot of stuff together and clarified it why um, in people with ADHD the brain functions that way. Um, and so one, one was a more of a scientific book with, uh, I think, a very comprehensive overview of um, the various types of ADHD and what they call comorbidity. That sometimes in one affliction can also uh, be accompanied by uh, kind of similar um, afflictions like uh, autism and uh, ADHD often go together, not always, of course, um, and some other stuff as well. But also uh, the, the differences between ADHD in children and ADHD in adults, and especially the last part of the book was, uh, was very eye-opening, where um, it spoke about the differences in the way ADHD is diagnosed and, this, and how it differs also from the way it expresses itself in children, although it always goes together. That was the big thing that puzzled me at first. It's like, hmm, I, I think I have a ton of um, things in common with, um, with people that describe their experiences and their kind of <laughs> their inner world from the perspective of someone who has been diagnosed with ADHD. And it's so striking. I mean, it's, it's just uncanny how much I recognize myself in their stories. So that's number one. Um, but I didn't remember that I had any of the classic symptoms as a child. And this book was very helpful in saying, well, things have changed since, um, let's say, when I was young. Um, there is so much more uh, awareness of the various... Um, forms in which ADHD can manifest itself and in some children it will be the kind of the the classic almost cliche idea of a kid that cannot cannot sit still and is always like hypermobile uh, interrupts everyone um, versus let's say children that are always quiet and very diligent and always um, have their homework ready in time and you know, they kind of breeze through school. I would be more of the latter category. However, um, apparently, there are different types of ADHD that don't have these hyperactive um, characteristics. But they... And it's not always just the external behavior, but it's also the internal uh, world of people with a hyperactive brain that comes into play and uh, in diagnosis that is what they explore but of course they first need to hear from you um, and sometimes if they are available maybe educators and parents and people that have known the 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 person in earlier years 
and on the basis of that they can wow that's a lot of noise I think that's a military plane flying over there is a military base not far from here but I don't think there's an air an airport usually I think there's just helicopters usually in this area um, so what was I saying <laughs> Um, so the, the diagnosis uh, is much more detailed nowadays. And so I went back, um, what I did, uh, while I was reading these books, I was jotting down things that I recognized, just for, you know, for myself, to clarify this and to uh, be able to take a bit more distance from um, the symptoms that I'm experiencing, and maybe things will become more, I don't know, more clear once you start writing them down. So let me take that list here because uh, I wrote it on the iPad and then it syncs to OneNote if, if all goes well, of course. And if I have internet here in the woods, I think here at the beginning of the, of the woods, I still will be able to get online. I've noticed that if I go very far into the woods, it becomes a lot more tricky to get a good connection. Okay, so I need to go to my personal notebook, go to my health notes, and here we go. Yeah, so this is a massive, massive list. And while I was uh, writing down what I remembered, I started to realize, oh, wait a minute, I always thought of my self as a child as being very calm and composed but if I'm honest there were already a lot of um, behaviors that would be more congruent with ADHD some examples I would always not just every once in a while like normal people would always leave home uh, too late because I had trouble um getting organized in the morning and I would also hugely overestimate uh, my own <laughs> my own ability to uh, reach school which was about I think between 9 and 11 kilometers from where from our house uh, to reach that by bike in time and so every morning would be a race and I would uh, very good probably for my overall health <laughs> because I, I had to, to, uh, uh, to cycle so fast in order to be in the classroom in time, and oftentimes that wouldn't work, and then I would get, well, not grounded, but you would get a, you would have to uh, go to the, the, what is the supervisor or whatever, and you get, uh, you get um, uh, criticized or anyway, they they tried to correct that behavior, which of course was futile because the next day it would repeat itself. Um, I was also very bad at estimating the time it would take to make my homework. Um, I was a very good student, so I always made my homework and I never had any you know, problems um, you know, uh, focusing in school because uh, usually when I, in class I would, I would just go into hyper-focus, I think. And... Uh, uh, but at home, um, 
since I had a hundred million hobbies, which is also very classic for, and, and all of these hobbies at the same time, right? I would have my, um, uh, my model airplane corner. So I would make these models and paint them. I would have my train table where I had a, like a miniature scale train and I was painting these tiny little figurines that you could <clears throat> place uh, around the, uh, the platforms and the other buildings of that miniature train town. I always was always drawing. I was always working on comics. Um, one of the things that I did both in primary school and secondary school was I would create comic strips for the school bulletin or the school journal. And I was, again, always underestimating how much time that took. And then you had dead deadlines, which resulted in, be it uh, with the comic book work or the, the homework, in, in working until very, very late at night. Uh, and then, of course, having even more trouble in the morning to get started. Um, but once I was working on these hobbies, I would uh, totally go in hyper-focus, especially the stuff that I loved most, like um, model airplane building um, and drawing. Uh, one of the complaints of both my brother and sister um, has been that whenever I was working on something that required my full attention and if they would come in the room and ask me something, I would explode. I would be so incredibly annoying um, and I would just tell them to go away and leave me alone and leave me be. I'm concentrated. And uh, of course I felt guilty afterwards. Um, but if in hindsight I'm thinking this is very, very similar to what um, people with ADHD describe as, um, you know, being interrupted during hyperfocus and then not being able to process those uh, extra stimuli, stimuli because you were already 100% working on certain things. Also, if I was um, spending time on my hobbies, I would forget all other responsibilities. I would forget to eat. Uh, if, uh, <laughs> if I had homework that needed to be done, I would totally forget about that and then realize at 11 o'clock in the evening, wait a minute, I've got like four, um, f four subject matters that I need to study for, for tomorrow. Otherwise, um, there's going to be a test and everything. Uh, reading, same thing. If I would read a book, I would forget everything. And uh, even if uh, the rest of the family was yelling upstairs, like, it's time to eat, it's time for dinner... Um, I would just completely ignore it because I wasn't hungry. I, uh, I would only realize when I was finally sitting at the table, like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, I was hungry, but I just didn't notice it. Um, another very seems to be disjointed, disconnected symptom is um, my handwriting. I, I was, I had such a horse, still have a very, very um, illegible handwriting unless I, I focus on it completely and my hand would cramp up if I had to write something clearly for a test for instance but if I would try to take notes I would always have the same problem that my brain was processing information so fast that my hands couldn't catch up and so I would 
sometimes repeat letters or it would just be such a, a, a mum, how do you say that, a jumble. Um, and I've never been able, I was always so jealous of these girls in the class who had these immaculate handwritings, almost looked like calligraphy. Whereas my handwriting was like, <laughs> at the end of the word, I would just give up. And so if I look back at, I've got some, some notes uh, still uh, with me today. And if I look at the way I took notes, usually the beginning of the word is looks fine. And then the end of the word is like, whatever. I just assumed that I would be able to reconstruct the word because I just didn't have time to write all these, you know, all that cursive uh, stuff. This is also why I'm so grateful that at a very early age, I was still in primary school, I got a, I followed a course uh, for for um, uh, for a typing, so typewriter course, which was actually a course for adults, <laughs> and my mom si- signed me up for that. I think I must have had I don't know, eleven, twelve years, something like that, twelve years old, and so and we had to type like we were personal assistants of. <laughs> people in the industry and I remember having to type reports and everything and this was all on mechanical typewriters so this was before um, computers and before the electrical uh, typewriters so it also required a lot of like physical force to um, to type but the typing allowed me to write down my thoughts at this well not really at the speed of thinking but I would be able to catch up much easier so um unfortunately this was also way before the era of laptops so in class in school and even in the university it didn't help me that much because i wasn't able to type but uh, if i was ever if i had to write um reports or anything even my dissertations um my my typing speed would be through the roof and i still type incredibly fast um so that helped me so much. I also really struggled with like any process that was structured. I would just like wing it, um, but there would be no rhyme or reason to it. I would just try out stuff, and then if it didn't work, I'll try try it in a different way. And this also hampered me intellectually uh, in subject matters that required this structural, disciplined form of thinking, like mathematics. And later on in secondary school, also. Um, chemistry, physics, all that like better stuff. <laughs> I was ex- I was so bad at that. The worst was statistics and um, probability calculation. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it, and uh, it's it's insane. Um, but I, I was at the same time challenged by my parents to keep um, to keep mathematics in my kind of overall course curriculum because they felt that it would be good for my character if I would also sometimes struggle with stuff whereas all the languages and history and all that stuff um, I, I could do that in my sleep and, and it's still my my love is to study languages and and everything that's narrative that allows me to paint a mental picture all of that is super easy and as soon as we get into territory of abstract stuff and methodical reasoning i'm lost i'm completely lost <laughs> um uh my 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 room was um 
not really a mess. Everybody told me it's so it's such a mess in your room. For me, it wasn't a mess. It was very organized. It was just there was a lot because I had at least five or six hobbies at the same time, and all the material for those hobbies would be on the floor, uh, on the table, on my desk, even on my bed, and it was very difficult to. Um, for someone, for an outsider, to even move around in my room because there was just so much. And uh, my cupboards were filled with with knickknacks and books and comic books and stuff that I felt I may have time for in the near future, but of course I never had. Um, and, and that's also so typical. It's like a reflection of my mind. Um, this is, by the way, very different from how I am today. Uh, at least in parts of my life. So I've, I'm compartmentalizing um, my activities and I have certain spaces in my house where I work really hard to keep them clean and organized because I've learned that if I don't, everything becomes a mess and it also really um, messes up my head. I, I mean, I, I love a kitchen that is well-organized and clean. Even the dishwasher, for me, the way I pack the dishwasher, it's super methodical. It's almost like Tetris. But it, it is a way for me to organize my thoughts and to not, get things, not let things get out of control. But there are other rooms in my house, like the guest bedroom, where I dumped everything that I couldn't store. And... Uh, like cleaning up is so difficult for me because I have to make so many decisions um, uh, and the there is this tendency to be distracted during the process of cleaning up so I see something I was like oh my gosh yeah I wanted to scan that in before you know it <coughs> I'm scanning stuff in uh, uh, on my computer without even asking myself, well, why do I do this? It's just because, like a while ago, that seemed like a good idea. And then, of course, the rest of the room is still in disarray weeks later. Um, but I've compartmentalized this, so this is only in a few rooms where usually my guests don't come. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, one of the other reasons, I think, why I was so good with language and, like, history... Uh, I loved writing short stories and stuff. This is also why I love making comics uh, for the school bulletin. Hey, doggy, you've got a ball in your mouth. <laughs> Hello. And so, uh, and I, I, I was very, I was not very good at written tests because then you would sit in a room. This was even worse in university, where during these these tests in big classes, you would sit with sixty people in the same hallway and the same, we're in the same hall and everybody's focusing and I can't I can't focus because there are so many people around me and oh terrible so I would if I could I always try to um, uh, do the the exams orally because I could talk even if I wasn't fully in control of um, of the subject matter I would always be able to talk myself out of it because my brain is so good at associating and, and, and associating super quickly. This is one of the reasons I think that podcasting is so ideal. This, this whole media work is about creative thinking and associati associative thinking. Um, but in a school situation, of course, 
<laughs> that is only useful in certain circumstances. So um, another thing that I remember was that after school, um, and having been in a, a very social environment, because you school, you, you, in class, it's constant interaction. You rarely have time for yourself. And in the, all the intermissions, um, you were supposed to hang out with friends. Now, I didn't have that many friends. I had just a few friends that I would just walk with and we would talk about science fiction and about, you know, all those geeky things that most of my uh, classmates couldn't care for, uh, couldn't care for less. But after a very intense day at school, I would immediately go to my room and I would lock the door and I, want, I just wanted to spend time with my hobbies or I would do my homework, um, promising myself that if I would be done with my homework, I would have time to, um, to dedicate to my hobbies or reading or whatever. Um, and I would get criticized quite a bit um, at home that I was antisocial. Uh, and, and, you know, why don't you come and drink a cup of tea? This is one of the things, like there was this unwritten rule that at, like, I think four o'clock in the afternoon, we would drink tea together and then have cookies. And I was like, what a waste of time. Why would I <clears throat> sit downstairs drinking a cup of bloody hot tea and and eating cookies i don't like cookies still don't like them and and then and then what what are we going to talk about this is so useless i could be spending my time on on reading books and and uh, you know writing about star wars <laughs> didn't have uh, mobile devices yet of course or computers but <clears throat> at one point i did have a small personal computer and i loved just disappearing in the in the digital world to create my own games and to or to play these text adventures and it would completely remove me from the planet of uh, that I was living on um, and I think now in hindsight this wasn't antisocial behavior this was just because my mind just couldn't cope with all the input and having had um, these these very intense social days in school I just needed time to decompress and uh, to recharge my batteries. So I think that what I used to label as just introverted behavior was a way for me to regulate input and to make sure I, I, I wasn't on 24 hours a day. Um, and then, of course, we lived in a small house yeah, a bit. You, you've seen the Harry Potter movies, right? Where the Dursleys lived. That that was the kind of house that we lived in. Um, so you would always hear uh, the noise coming from other rooms and downstairs. And uh, my brother was very, very talented and avid piano player. So he would play the piano and and rehearsing his stuff down the stairs. And my dad played the bagpipes and organ music or he would have his small radio on all day long and that was hard too so I usually um, I had a Walkman uh, with a headset and I would just listen to music in order to drown out all these, this distracting noise from uh, other places which also contributed in in uh, enforcing this idea that some people had that I was antisocial. Um, but it was just, I was just regulating myself.
So this this whole process of of discovering, like, wait a minute, these symptoms have been there during my youth, and they're still there to a certain extent. I have learned to mitigate some of the most nefarious effects of it, but it doesn't mean it's gone. My brain hasn't magically started working in a different way. This realization, um, and by reading these books from people that have worked with people uh, with ADHD, has been also very comforting. Because I'm thinking, you know what? I I was blaming myself so much. And still, uh, even just past years, this scatterbrained approach to everything and always working on five, six, seven things at once... Um, I knew and I realized more and more that this was also uh, impacting a lot of the people that I work with that are subjected to this. And you too, as a listener, is like, oh my gosh, every week there's a new project. Every week there's... Uh, <laughs> it is... Um, it's comforting to tell myself, well, this is just part of my kind of strange or different working brain. And now that I know this and I realize that this is how my brain works, I can also take that into account when it comes to planning. And uh, and one of the things I'm learning, mostly from TikTok, is to laugh about it. Not to not, you know, see this as a, like a serious impairment and it's so unfair that I've always been judged because I, my, I couldn't just... It, this is just who I was and I wasn't respected for that. I always had to be someone else. Sure, there's a lot of that, but it's not very useful to moan and groan about that. And it's much more um, effective, I think, to just tell I tell myself now when I when I recognize some of this behavior, saying to myself, "Oh, that's your that's your squirrel brain again. Let's uh, let's take it easy. <laughs> let's just write this down." And um, and and oftentimes in you know one of the more uh, current uh, characteristics that I have. I'm always looking for stuff. So everything needs to have its own place in the house. Uh, Because if if I ever forget to put my keys where they belong, like this morning, I was looking for... What was I looking for? Oh, yeah, my bank pass. Uh, because I wanted to get some groceries, and I just couldn't find it. And I was running up and down and up and down and up and down, looking in every room, and because it wasn't in the pocket where I always put the bank pass. So I made this one mistake, and it, it, uh, it took me about a half an hour before I found it. And, uh, of course, it wasn't... Uh, I think it just dropped on the floor or something like that. But um, <laughs> stuff like that is still very difficult. Also, um, inability to have a realistic idea of how much time or resources or energy something takes. Like this Sunday, I was, I was hoping to take it easy. Um, and I tell myself this every weekend, like normal people don't work on, on the weekend. I do as a priest, um, but also as um, someone with five, six new ideas per hour, there's always something that is pushing to be done, or at least to be, um, 
to be handled. So uh, even in my spare time or when I'm going for a walk and I'm not podcasting, I'm always thinking about this one idea that I had the other day and I try to think it through. And mm, So this, this weekend went by very, very quickly. And I had scheduled some time to... Uh, to clean what I call the like the lower part of the castle. So I, I <laughs> in order to make housekeeping a bit more interesting, because that's also one of the things that um, that my, my brain needs. It needs to be interesting. It certainly doesn't need to be. It, does, it shouldn't be a routine or boring. So I made it interesting by calling itself like castle upkeep. I imagine myself being part of a uh, like a big VR. RPG and like role-playing game and I'm uh, tending uh, to the business of a castle and so groceries are not called groceries no they are like um, foraging Um, I've got my so all my important tasks for the week are called like main quests and all the stuff that is interesting but not urgent I put that in side quests. And it's just a list. It's just sitting there. So I stopped scheduling everything. Um, but I know that the list of main quests is what I should somehow um, attend to on a regular day. And I've noticed that if I don't put pressure on myself, it actually gets done faster than, <laughs> than if I schedule, like, oh, I have to record the walk right now between two o'clock and three o'clock or something like that. The moment I do, I lose track of time and then I'm frustrated that I didn't do the thing that I planned to do. So um, the, uh, this Sunday, I should have written down in the main quest, take time to play with Lego because I, I love that. And, you know, building Lego sets is a very therapeutic, relaxing thing. I think it's very good for me to spend more time with Legos. But um, at the end of the day, it's like, the day's over. Where did it go? And I, you see, life is too short. I, I, I couldn't find time. I couldn't find the energy to build Lego. And now it's, uh, it's 10 o'clock in the evening and I need to get ready for bed. But there is still so much I want to do. The weekend is already over. This is emblematic. Every single weekend is the same thing. And so I stopped myself. I'm like, so why didn't you um, build Lego sets? What stopped you from doing it? Because, you know, a Sunday is still it's a long day. You, 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 you should theoretically have had time for that. And then I realized, um, oh, because uh, I told myself that I wanted to put up a new TikTok video. And it's something that I have tasked myself with to do like the gospel for geeks every week and so I I couldn't get around to doing it on Saturday which is already my overflow day for Friday Uh, so I have to do this this Sunday and it's something I tell myself it's fun yeah and it's actually it is fun to interact with uh, my online audience and and to be creative and think about uh, so I, I was trying to combine the gospel with something geeky and well, that usually takes a while. But making that one TikTok video took me two hours. And two hours is a lot of time that I could have been working on my Lego project 
but I didn't. I spent it on TikTok. And since this TikTok video is only one minute, it feels in my brain, it feels like, oh, that didn't take much time. It's just one minute. No, it took me two hours to put that together from conception to, you know, uploading it and then reposting it on the various platforms. Um, and so th- this, these are moments that I stop myself and tell myself, you see what happened here? This is just your inability to um, keep track of time and to overestimate the amount of time you actually have. And this is, well, you, you know me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. This is, this is, a, this is a pattern. This has been <laughs> part of my life for many, many years. And so the, the solution, and I'm just going to wrap things up here um, before I continue the extra mile for my patrons, but uh, one of the solutions that I found uh, was actually not in a typical... Well, there was a book that was written um, to help people with ADHD to do housekeeping, to keep their house in order. Um, and that book was such a great complement to the kind of more scientific books that I was reading, because this was very practical. And it was written from the point of view of a mother who... Um, is a how do you say that so you can hire her to help you clean up your house not sure what that is called but anyway she she always thought I have everything under control but then her daughter started to develop symptoms of ADHD or they started to become aware of that and it turned everything upside down and she had to revise a lot of her strategies because it didn't work for her daughter and so I love that approach and then she noticed well actually the way I approach housekeeping now uh, is works for all my clients, not just for the ones who are uh, suffering from ADHD tendencies. And so that's how she... Am I going to the left? or No, let me just continue straight. Um, I, when I was reading that, there was this one passage where she said, um, the kitchen is one of the hardest places to clean up, Right. And she said, well, make sure that you only have what you truly need. For instance, spices. I have a a tray in my um, kitchen furniture filled with spices. She said, you probably have tons and tons and tons of spices that you haven't touched in years. You should throw them away. Uh, You know, if if you haven't used a certain spice for, for, for six months... Throw it away because it's just cluttering up your kitchen. And the same is true for all these things that we, we tell ourselves. Like, oh, but I spent money on this. But if you never use it in the kitchen, why don't you give it to charity? And uh, her reasoning was, is it's better to give something away, even if you have invested in it, than let it continue to bother you in the future. Because that, too, is a price you're paying um, and so she said, well, if, if you have a household of five people, why would you have more than five plates? <laughs> you know? So don't do that. Uh, make sure to simplify. And, and her big um, advice is always make sure that you never go beyond the storage space that you have for things. Like if you have clothes and you have a closet for the clothes, 
make sure you don't buy more clothes than will fit into your closet. Same thing for the kitchen, same thing for everything, basically. Make sure everything has its place and that you have room to spare. My life is total opposite because <clears throat> I uh, tend to try to get dopamine hits by purchasing stuff that I don't need. <laughs> and as long as it's digital, like video games, it's not really... And not really a problem, it's just that I feel guilty sometimes of having bought so many games and never having the time to play them in, in my lifetime. Um, but when it comes to physical stuff, it's better to just put everything on a list and make sure you never buy stuff that has not been sitting on that list for at least a day. I'm thinking, you know, one of my issues is that my uh, fridge is full of food. And I have the pantry and there's a lot of like pastas and rice and whatnot. That could last me years. <laughs> but it's a typical uh, symptom of an ADHD brain that just just gets like, oh, that's a special offer. And look, it's 30% off. I need to get that. But yes, you already have pasta. Yes, but these things um, don't help. <laughs> and so I'm learning so much and and this is true also for my work like instead of uh virtually stockpiling all sorts of different projects simplify it do less than you than your brain tells you you can do or maybe even tells you to sh you should do do less and always make sure you have margin now so many people have told me this and it never i never listened because i was like My brain was telling me, oh no, but you have an hour. You can still do another video or you can do, do a podcast. And if you, if you have three podcasts, well, you can do five. If you can do three podcasts, it's very simple. Just you know, make work more efficiently, etc., etc. And now I'm seeing, oh boy, this is all my squirrel brain that is doing this. And let's listen to the experts and simplify and focus on consistency because that is one of the things that is actually actively hurting my mission is not being consistent because I have too many things that I'm working on and then it's like when I was 12 all that stuff clutters my room and nothing gets done anymore except for the like super urgent things yes then I can muster up hyper focus and I can deliver this is how I've, I've been living for years working for television every week there was a deadline and I I especially those of you that have been listening to me for years, you remember that there were times where I would go, I would disappear for months. I wouldn't record a single podcast. And uh, but it was just because there was, every week there was this urgent deadline from TV and I knew that there were very serious consequences. So I had to apply all my focus on that. And that meant that I completely forgot about you know, my audience. And this still happens with my YouTube audience, TikTok audience. And this is why um, I think my, my big challenge for the next couple of months is to, um, to work out um, certain routines that don't cost too much time and deliver the basics. So for instance, to give you an example, and then I'm going to wrap up, uh, recording this podcast, I'm doing this after lunch on Monday because I know that uh, later down the road I may have too many other things and right now I'm focused I just had lunch so um, I wanted to go for a walk uh, usually if I try to 
hit my, what is it, 500 calories a day walking energy. Um, oftentimes I have to leave the house like late in the evening because I still haven't closed my activity rings on the Apple iWatch. Um, but now I'm thinking, you know, I might as well go out for a walk and record my, th- my thoughts. And that's it, you know, then that podcast is done. Same thing, if I have like a moment of inspiration, um, I just jot down some ideas for the next podcast and then I leave it. And it sits there until I have <clears throat> a, a time to record the break. One of the issues with the break is procrastination because I was um, trying to figure out how to record it and made a lot of changes. And so my brain was like, ooh, friction. Let's, let's postpone this. Um, so I'm, I'm gradually learning more and more how my brain functions. And uh, it, it will probably mean, at least for the time being, that I have to be very careful not to overcommit myself. And, well, you'll be my, my buddies... <laughs> on this journey and you'll see if that works or not anyway um this is what i wanted to share with you thank you so much um and uh there's so much else that i would like to share but it will have to wait until next week um if you would like to listen to the extra mile i'm going to walk here for my patrons and talk some more about uh, these topics um, consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash Father Roderick. It's a wonderful community. And even if you <clears throat> don't have uh, the ability to support me financially, uh, you can still become a member of the Patreon community and get access to my updates there. It is the one place where everything comes together. Um, and this is this is new. Um, in the past, uh, patron was not interesting, or my patron page wasn't interesting for people that, one, one, that uh, were not... Uh, supporters but now everybody can uh, can subscribe to the patreon community so uh, patreon.com slash father roderick please sign up and we'll stay in touch take care and see you soon